Good morning, church. Oh, you guys sound way better, and you look way better than that early crowd. So the early bird does not get the worm, man. I'm so excited that you're here today. How many of you are excited you're here today? I pray that uh, you had a blessed Thanksgiving, and um, you know, after this last, uh, what is it, time change, what's that called, uh, daylight saving, whatever it is, but you know, how many of you kind of struggled with that one this year? Anybody else? I get kind of tired of it, but I honestly, I think after Thanksgiving, they ought to create a law where we could set our scales back five pounds, you know, just saying, just kind of throwing that out there. I think that would be better than the whole daylight savings time thing. I'm thinking, man, if you need to get up earlier, just get up earlier. I mean, why do the rest of us have to change our clocks for the five people that might not? I don't know, but um, now I'm off on a tangent, and I'll try not to do that too much today because I want to get you out of here, right? And uh, But uh, Rachel and I were blessed to spend this last Thanksgiving with four of our kids and our youngest grandson, Everett James Corley, and I'm going to go totally grandpa on you and make you watch a video. Check out Everett James. Oh, you are, huh? What's your best bear noise? Oh, Gets no better than that, right? That's why they're grandkids, all right? So those of you that are like, what am I going to do with my kids? You wait for that, and it's worth it. You know, and I'm, uh, yeah, he's the smartest kid ever. I mean, at two months, growling like a bear. I mean, you know, all of that. A lot of times people say, hey, Pastor Keith, what is it that you do at the church? What, what do you do? And I'm like, eh, just, you know, sit around, play solitaire. And Pastor Vaughn and I, uh, we play pool. And we just do a whole lot of nothing. And then we go home. And, you know, being a pastor just has nothing. We, we ain't nothing. Schedule's always the same. We have banker's hours, all that other good stuff. No, I'm actually the men's ministry pastor, and our men's ministry is called Rally. Rally stands for Reject Passivity, Accept Responsibility, Lead Courageously, and Invest Eternally. And uh, who doesn't want to hang out with a guy that rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously, and invests eternally? And that's our focus in the men's ministry, is that we be men who do those types of things. And I encourage and I invite every man in this room to join us. Rally kicks off on January 15th. I don't care if you get your phones out because I know you're going to forget. Get your phones out. Find January 15th. Put a reminder about three weeks out that you're going to go that day. We have two options on Wednesdays. We have a 6.30 in the morning option or a 6.30 in the evening on Wednesdays beginning January 15th. So if you're a guy in here, you are officially now invited to come hang out with us. And I promise you, if you do it, it, it will change your life. You will be better for it. Just uh, about th- six weeks ago, um, actually it was on the game seven of the World Series. A couple of the <clears throat> losers from my table didn't show up, so my table was a little thin. I jumped to another table and we were having discussions and one of the young guys said at the end, one, one question we frequently ask is, what's your takeaway from tonight? And his takeaway was, I got to come here every week because I'm learning something that's making me a better husband and a better father. And so guys, I want to encourage you, come hang out with us in men's ministry. I want to take just a moment, 
brag on a group of guys from our men's ministry, from Rally. They went and served an elderly lady last week, took down 12 trees for her. Not only did they take them down, they chopped them up, put them in a trailer, and hauled them off. And so um, I'm so proud of them because Jesus said, I came not to serve, but to serve. God wants us to be servers. And so super proud of these guys for finding somebody that they could serve in the community and going out there. Also want to give a shout out to the Bloomfield Bobcat football team. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the results were not what we were hoping for, but hey, anytime you get to play after Thanksgiving, that is awesome. So super proud of them. Proud of Coach, uh, that gummit, Bobby. <laughs> Alcorn, thank you. It was coming. It was coming. Now you guys know what Rachel has to put up with. It's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, I'm thinking. Just stop. Give me a minute. But Coach Bobby Alcorn and his team, and hey, that's awesome. Two years straight in the championship game, and let's go for a third and let's win it. Third time's a charm, all right? So super proud of the Bobcats. So hey, would you pray with me, and let's ask God to bless our time together. God, we thank you. For the opportunity, God, to come into your house and worship you. Lord, there's no sweeter name than the name of Jesus. So, God, we come in today. And, Lord, I know that there are people here, God, maybe their Thanksgiving wasn't so thankful. Maybe it wasn't so great. And so, God, I pray that even in the next few moments, you'll speak to them. Lord, may you show yourself to them. Lord, I pray for all of us, God, that in the next few moments we'll open our hearts and our minds. Lord, I pray that the truth from your word would make us better. Lord, uh, we know that when we get into your word, Lord, there is something we can get out of it. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me now. May the words that come from my mouth be from you. Lord, use me. Use our time. Lord, and it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to be talking about expectations and on Rachel's and my first Christmas after we were married, leading up to uh, when her family celebrated Christmas, she kept talking about this great dinner that her family has. And so Rachel's Hispanic, I'm a gringo, and so um, I'm thinking, you know, oh, that sounds cool. And I even went so far as to skip a meal that day because I wanted to eat a bunch of food. And so I'm thinking, you know, maybe prime rib, maybe some potatoes, maybe, you know, some green beans and whatever. We show up, and I remember walking into the room, and there's pasoli. There's chicos, and you got to, you know, because I'm a gringo, so I got to, like, chicos, try to say it with a Spanish accent so it really sounds right, which to me is really just popcorn and water, all right? I mean, I'm just telling you. I don't know about you, but that's what I'm like. I'm standing there, and I'm like, this is it? This is what you were excited about? I mean, I'm like, ugh. Red chili, green chili. The chili was so hot, I couldn't, I mean, I'm like, you know, and I'm sweating I'm over there, and it's just like, Ugh. and I'm like, really? What's so great about that stuff? 30 years later, though, man, I love that stuff. It's good stuff. I love it. And so it just grows on you, but it wasn't what I expected. And I bet none of you have expectations of your spouse, of your boyfriend, of your girlfriend, 
of your in-laws for sure, right? Nobody has expectations of our in-laws. Nobody has expectations of our bosses. Nobody has expectations of our church, of our neighbors. And actually, it's just the opposite. It isn't that we don't have any expectations. It's, a, it's that we have so many of them that we begin to trip over them. We think our spouse ought to be this way. Maybe our boss should be this way. Maybe our churches ought to be this way. Maybe our kids, they should be this way. Maybe the neighbor's kids, they should really, man, the, the neighbors, they need to do something about their kids. I mean, I'm just telling you, man, it's, it's got to stop. Boy, if those were my kids, I would. Or about those pastor's kids? I mean, shouldn't they walk on water? It's Jesus, the pastor, and his kids. I mean, shouldn't they just be perfect? Right? I mean, they would never run around in the church. Or maybe we think he's too much that way or she's too much that way and for sure the in-laws are way, don't be elbowing them, I see you sitting by some of your in-laws, but maybe they're way too much that way. And we all have expectations, right? And I can prove it, if a guy walks through his house with his golf clubs on his back, what does his wife ask him? Where are you going? Right? Oh, I'm just going to, you know, I need an extra workout. I'm going to go mow the lawn with my golf clubs on my back. That's where I'm going, hon, because that's what I want to do today. I want my lawn to look like a golf course. So if I put the golf clubs on my back, it's pretty obvious, right? Where are you going? I have expectations. One of my expectations is I love to go to the movies and I love to have all my snacks and everything before the preview starts. How many of you are with me? I mean, to me, the previews are usually sometimes the best parts of the movies. There's just a few of you good people, you, few of us smart people, not all of you raised your hand, the rest of you are, you must be like Rachel, you don't care when you get there, as long as you get there, you know? So Rachel and I were going to a movie, and um, I call it like the little flyover thing, and I was thinking it was time for us to go, so I kind of went to the room, I flew in, you know, fly in there, I walked in there just to see what she was doing, and I walk into her bedroom, and she has all the nail, nail stuff, you know, nail polish, and she's going to town, and I walk out, and I'm like, you're going to paint your nails for a dark room where nobody's going to see them? Seriously? You're going to do that now? You know, so I'm out there and I'm trying to be patient and I'm watching the clock. I'm looking at the clock and I do another flyby and I go in and guess what color she's painting her nails? Clear. <laughs> and I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, if you wanted your nails to be shiny, we just get some extra butter and they'll be shiny at the movie. I mean, we, you don't got to paint them, right? And I'm, I go back out. I'm patient. I didn't say nothing. At least, not to her, right? I go back out and finally she's like, I'm ready. I'm like, about time, you know? So we get in the car and I'm thinking, I'm going to just relax. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to reach over and grab her hand. And I get the old, nails are wet, you know? And I get in trouble because she painted her nails. And I'm trying to keep this all cool. Why? Because I have expectations. Expectations in a relationship can be silent killers. Silent killer, killers are those diseases without symptoms. At least they're often, 
at least often there aren't any symptoms until it's too late. Expectations can be like that. A lot of the times you don't realize what your expectations are until somebody fails to meet them. And when somebody fails to meet your expectations, do we stand back and go, hmm, my expectations weren't met. No. We get angry, right? We feel hurt. We feel downright ripped off. Why didn't you blank? A couple of years ago, we did a marriage study by Matt Chandler, and he made this statement, all frustration in life results from unmet expectations. I want to read that to you again. All frustration in life result from unmet expectations. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, that's a pretty bold statement. And I'm like, yeah, this is a marriage thing. So maybe he just meant all frustration in marriage comes from unmet expectations. But I began to watch myself after I had heard that and, and I began to eventually, I actually came to the same conclusion as he did. All frustration in life comes from unmet expectation. And I think it's a true statement and I want to show you proof of that. Check out this video. And Mama and me and and and, and well, she didn't give you a kiss. And she and well, and she just went to work. Yeah. What a, what kind of mama does that? You don't know. Me neither. Hi, and Nana, Mama. Hi, baby, Nana, Dada, me, and Will, and me. You wanted to give her a kiss? I did And she just went to work? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I love how the little sister, I think she's a sister. I don't even know who that kid is. Just on YouTube. It's a great video, but I love that. But I love the way he's all, you know, he's just, he's excited. But he's what? Frustrated. It starts early. And he's frustrated for all the right reasons. Mom didn't give him a kiss goodbye before she went to work. And the little sister throws the bottle like, yeah, Mom, you're such a cheapskate. <laughs> so why do we get frustrated? We get frustrated because expectations operate in our minds as should. If I have expectations of you, that means that I have a mental list of things you should do. Things you should say. Things you should and should not care about. Things you should and should not be willing to do for me. You see, when you and I live in, the, in this mindset of shoulds, it causes frustration. Expectations cause frustration not only for us, but for the people that we are putting them on. Expectations create a debt-debtor relationship. Whenever I put my expectations on you and expect you to do something with them, I now live under the assumption that you owe me. My expectations become what you owe me. Do you know what Solomon, you know how Solomon describes owing something to someone? 
You know how he describes what it does to our relationships? Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor and the... And the borrower is slave to the lender. When you create a debt-debtor relationship, you change it to an owner-slave relationship. You want to mess up your relationships, make them a debt-debtor. You'll screw them up quickly. So where do our expectations come from? We all have ideas and desires of how we want things to be. And there's several things that impact our ideas and our desires. One of the more influential is what we've seen and heard. What you've seen in other relationships. What you've seen modeled. What the people next door did or didn't do. Maybe what you see in culture. The most prominent impact of our ideas and desires is what we've experienced. For many of us, it's, it is what we experienced in the home that we grew up in. This is such a big deal and it's complicated and it's emotional. Most of our ideas and desires are a response to what we grew up in and what we grew up around. We're either trying to avoid something or we're trying to recreate something. When we're trying to avoid something, it usually begins with this thinking. My relationships are not going to be like that. I'm not going to be like my mom. I'm not going to be like my dad. We're not going to have that kind of a relationship. I'm not going to treat others like that. We impact our ideas and our desires by avoiding something. Or, when we're trying to recreate something, it comes from situations where it was like, Wow, that is exactly what I wanted. Maybe you saw an amazing relationship that you wanted, so you try to recreate it. Maybe the way your family did the holidays was awesome, and now you're trying to recreate that same thing for your family. We impact our ideas and desires by recreating something. But even in situations where we're trying to avoid something that was bad or recreate something that is good or something that is healthy or something that's worth creating, in the middle of all of this is me. These are my desires. These are my ideas. And then at some point we take these and we hand them to the people that matter the most to us. And we ask them to make them come true. In my mind we tell them this is what the future would look like and I need you to come through for me. But the challenge is this. Once we hand our ideas and our desires to someone else, it does not feel like their desires, their ideas. To them, it feels like expectations. To them, it feels like homework. To them, it feels like we're beating them up. 
You see, most of us, we think that when we're frustrated, we're cute. Like that two-year-old boy. It's not so cute when you're an adult. He, the little boy, was even frustrated for all the right reasons. But you want to know the truth. When you act out, when I act out on our frustrations, good and bad, it really feels and looks like this. And it's funny if you're not in it. But when someone hands you their expectations, that's what it feels like. And we think we're cute when we're doing it. Attempting to recreate or avoid something from the past transforms ideas and desires into expectations. Even in the best of relationships that have expectations put on them, there's going to be a collision in that relationship. When expectations are exchanged, we do one of four things. The first thing we do is we leave. This is not what I signed up for. You're changing the rules. You've switched gears. This is not reality. And you know what you do? You grab all your expectations and you cart them off to your next relationship. Or maybe the second thing we do is we win. See, a lot of us, we just want to win. So in most relationships, there's a stronger personality. And if that is the case, that person powers up and they win. They leverage what is called the four C's to unsatisfying and dysfunctional relationships. If you want a terrible relationship, listen to these four C's and here's the prescription for a terrible relationship. First, you convince. You say, now look, I realize this is how you always dealt with conflict in your family. But let me tell you, this is how it's going to be. I realize you dreamed about, but honey, your expectations, they're not the right ones. Mine are. I know how the world works. My way is the right way. I mean, if you'll just trust me and live the life that I want you to live and become more like me, I mean, who doesn't want to be more like me? You'll be happier. If you'll just abandon all your desires, all your, and just embrace what I want you to embrace, it'll all work out. And you convince, and you convince, and you convince, because you're like a barking chihuahua. The second C in terrible relationships is you convict. You convict because you make them feel guilty. Okay, okay. I don't want to be critical, but that's really just stupid. Okay, I don't want to be critical, but did that work out for your parents? So we're not going to do it that way. Hey, I don't want to judge or even judge your family, but they're a wreck. So no, we're not going to do it that way. Or maybe you control. You control by using your powers to lead, guide, or dominate. Hey, it's my way or the highway. 
We either do it this way or we're not doing it at all. Or you coerce. You coerce by persuading someone to do something using force or threats. If that's where we're going, I'm not going. I'm just going to stay home. To coerce is to manipulate, use aggressive arguments, pressure, pressure unfairly, or threaten. If you want to win in the relationship, you convince, you convict, you control, or you coerce. And at the end of the day, only you will be happy. You see, when I win in my relationship, who wins? No one. When one person wins in a relationship, who wins? No one. But at the end of the day, if you win, you will be happy. You're living out your desires. And you have someone who's given up on what they want. And they're helping you live out your dream. They've ultimately conformed to your expectations, which of course is the right way to do things. The third response to exchange expectations is just the opposite to the person that wins. The third response is we are the conformer. We conform. We become somebody we are not to compensate for somebody who will not love us. We become somebody we are not to compensate for somebody who will not accept us as we are. We abandon who we are to embrace what makes another person happy regardless if it works for us. We just conform. As long as she's happy, I'll deal with it. As long as he's happy, I'll just deal with it. The last thing we do is we compromise. And for most of us, we think this is the goal. You just compromise. Maybe you've seen this model. Your parents were not really happy, but they weren't unhappy. They just got along. I mean, isn't that the way the world works? Just can't we all get along? They just figured out because in a compromised relationship, you do your part and I will do my part. And I'm going to make sure that you do your part and you're going to make sure that I do my part. Because in a compromised relationship, there's scorekeeping. Everyone's keeping a score. In a compromised relationship, it's a bit contractual. I know we agreed this year is my year with the family and next year is with your family and we've compromised we've already decided and that's the way it is we're just gonna compromise you see when expectations are exchanged we do one of these four we leave we win we conform or we compromise the ultimate problem with each of these is that they're relationship killers. You want to kill your relationships? Just do one of those four things. So what should Christ followers do with our expectations? What should we do with them? I've read this quote by Joyce Meyer and I think it's so cool. The life you have is the one you have. 
And hating it is not going to get you another one. <laughs> I just love that. That's just some truth right there. You can hate it all you want. You're not going to get another one because the life you have is the life you have. Stop running away from the things you have and learn how to embrace them and enjoy where you are right now. Rachel and I were at college and we came home one Christmas from college to uh, visit family because our families are all here and her family attended this church called Pinion Hills Community Church. Yay. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> and they did a Christmas Eve service. And my family, we play lots of games and so on Christmas Eve, I, I, I was just like, and she was like, hey, I want to go to the Christmas Eve service with my family and... And I was like, okay, that's what we'll do. You know, and I went to the Christmas Eve service, and I knew a few people in the church at this time, and so when they see me, hey, Keith, how are you? Oh, I'm great. Liar. I was just there. I remember going in, and we sat over. I made sure I sat on the end, and I sat there with my arms crossed. I could be at home playing games with my family. I'm going to be at church because her family's here. But I remember very vividly looking down at my kids enjoying laughing having fun and here I was hating my life. Because this isn't what I wanted. But my little kids were enjoying this. You see, I thought that they would enjoy playing games better than going to church. And in that moment, I was hating my life. And you want to know who the only miserable jerk was there? This guy. And I had to decide in that moment. I remember looking down that aisle, looking down that row and looking, thinking, wow, what a jerk you are. All your kids are enjoying this. Your wife is enjoying this. Your in-laws, well, we don't care about them. Your in-laws are enjoying this, but, but you're just there. You're hating your life. And I had to change it like that. And immediately that Christmas Eve service went from a bore to one of the coolest things. And I still have that memory in my mind and it's a great memory once I changed hating where I was and I said I'm going to enjoy this and it became fun I don't remember anything that they did but all I know is Pastor Tim got up there and he did something funny and it was hilarious and it was good so if you hate your life if you hate where you are in your life hating it is not going to get you a new one you have to accept where you are. So I would say her statement this way, the life you have is the one you have and expecting others to change it is not going to make it any better. But better than Joyce or better than the thing that I came up with, Jesus took all of the 600 Jewish commands, 600 plus Jewish commands, Jesus took all of them and he narrowed them down to one. Because Jesus knew 
that we would struggle if we had to remember 600 plus commands. And he narrowed it down to this one, and here it is. Are you ready for it? As I have loved you, you are to love one another. That's it. As I have loved you, Jesus said, you are to love one another. Then the Apostle Paul took this one command. And in Ephesians chapter 5, he gives us how we take this one command and apply it to all of our relationships. And he said this, Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us. Church. What would the four corners look like if we followed God's example? What would the four corners look like? Church, what would your house look like if you followed God's example? What would work look like if you walked in the way of love and gave up yourself like Christ gave up himself? What would work look like? What would your environment be like if you followed God's example? You see, God's example is marked by giving, not getting. And when you and I give our expectations to others, it's marked by getting. What are you going to do for me? So how do we follow God's example? Paul says, walk in the way of... Come on, it's up there. Walk in the way of... Walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us. You see, walking in the way of love is learned. That's not just something that happens. You can't hope that just by osmosis or having good intentions that you're going to begin walking in the way of love. But it can happen when you grow spiritually. The best way to grow spiritually is through relationships. Relationships with other believers. If you want to follow God's example, you'll need to have others around you encouraging you, exhorting you, challenging you, praying for you. I challenge you to get involved in the things that, that are going on here in the church. We have something for everyone. We have life groups, we have men's ministry, we have women's ministry, we have a recovery ministry, we have a student ministry, we have interest life groups, we have Bible study groups. One thing you can do right now is Pastor Matt wrote a Christmas Advent Bible study. It's a 25-day Bible study. You can pick these up in our bookstore, they're seven bucks. 
And I challenge you over the next 25 days to do this study. Let me just quickly, it's each day, oops, I'm going to get there. There's one day. And I just want to quickly uh, read the application for today. So many times we want God's blessings now and simply aren't willing to wait on God's timing. Trust that God wants to give good gifts to his children, but in his timing. He knows what is best and when is best. He knows, he knows your needs and desires. Demonstrate your faith and trust in him by being patient. That's just that. So you got, you could do all of this, you could do today's study in less than five minutes. I hope that you'll take more time and think about it. But anything that you do that grows you spiritually will give you the tools to walk in the way of love. I think the Apostle Paul used the word walk in the way of love because it's going to take action on your part and on my part. Because we can be Christ followers, but we can still be jerks. I know that because Rachel's married to one. Sometimes. But Paul continues, not only does Christ love us, but Christ gave himself up for us. Christ didn't go to the cross and say, hey, Christ didn't go and say, hey, I'm gonna, I'll go to the cross when you... He didn't draw any lines. He didn't give us any expectations. Christ went to the cross like this. For you and for me. You see, Christ gave up himself. The good news is you and I don't have to go to the cross because Jesus did that for us. But Paul does give us the secret to giving ourselves up like Christ did. In Ephesians 5.21, he says these nine words. And these nine words can transform your relationships. Ephesians 5.21 says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You want to know the best way to do that? Ask this question. What can I do for you? Teenagers, you want your parents to pass out? <laughs> Click the horn. No, I'm just <laughs> You want your parents to pass out? Go in when their friends are sitting in the living room and say, What can I do for you? They're, I mean, they're going to hit the floor. Then you don't have to ask them where you, if you can go hang out with your friends. You just go hang out, leave them there, and come back and wake them up. No, I'm just teasing. I'm not promoting that. But And you all laugh, but spouses, imagine what it would do to your spouse if you said, turn off the dang horn. Now you got the other car. No, I'm just teasing. But imagine what would happen if you asked your spouse, hey, what can I do for you? And do it. How about 
If you're a boss in here, what about the people that work for you? What response would you get if you walked in and said, what can I do for you? They would think your Thanksgiving eggnog was spiked. How about your co-workers? You see, either we're going to walk into a room and we're going to bring life or we're going to suck the life right out of it. Do you want to stop being frustrated with unmet expectation? Give yourself up as Christ gave himself up. Walk in the way of love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us.